All right, so we're in our summer study through the book of Psalms. Psalms are really the ancient Jewish hymn book. These are the songs that uh, they would sing uh, sometimes as they were ascending the mountain, heading back to Jerusalem uh, in their worship to God. The Psalms are very expressive. They give us a glimpse into the heart uh, of the writer and of the people. Uh, You get to see what the psalmists were thinking, what they were feeling, what they were asking God to do for them. Uh, Nearly half of the Psalms were written by King David. Uh, David's life is fascinating. We could do a whole series just on David. Uh, David experienced some amazing victories. He really accomplished some truly remarkable things. Uh, But at the same time, he did some truly uh, unbelievable uh, bad things, some devastating failures in his life. And uh, But through it all, somehow he maintained a heart for God. He didn't always do what's right. Uh, some of his mistakes, I mean, you know, committing adultery, committing murder, uh, and yet still uh, he moved forward despite his failures. I'm glad that the Bible paints people as they really are, not just how we, they, they want to be remembered. You know, Yeah, he did a lot of good things, but he did a lot of dumb things. And probably we learn more through the dumb things that people do than we do through the good things that they do. When we see their failures, we can learn some lessons uh, in life. And we see that in David's life. Before I jump into the psalm we're going to look at today, I want us to go to the New Testament, Acts chapter 13. Paul is speaking to both the Jews and the Gentiles here in Antioch. And in, in his speech, he's given a bit of the Jewish history. And I just want to catch just a snippet of his speech here as it relates to uh, David in Acts 13, verse 21. It says, Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendant, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Let's pray. God, I pray that you'd add your blessing to the reading of your word. And Father, that you would, you would open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to the truth you'd have us to receive this morning. Uh, and Father, we just uh, dedicate this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before I jump in, let me just say... You know, when you listen to a sermon, the reality is you're not going to remember the majority of what I'm going to say. I'm going to speak some 3,000 words here in the next few moments, but here's what I know. You're probably, the most impactful part will probably be 10 to 20 words, and I never know what 10 to 20 words it may be that speak to you, but but have your heart in tune and ask God, say, God, what's that one thing you want me to hear? What's that one takeaway? What's that, what, what's that one thing that you need? So I just encourage you as a listener to listen. You're not going to necessarily grab everything and remember everything. But if you remember one thing, if there's something, you know, just ask God, say, God, just show me something here today and just have your ears in tune for it. Amen. All right, so what is it that made David a man after God's own heart? I mean, that's something that we would all want, wouldn't it? Uh, You know, at the end of your life, for God to say about you that, yeah, boy, he was a man after God's, she was a lady after God's own heart. We would want to hear that. Um, you 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 know, I think the answer to what is it that made David a man after God's own heart is found right in the passage we just read there in the fact that David did whatever God wanted him to do, right? He said, he will do everything I want him to do. And I think that's key, that David didn't always do what's right, but whatever it is that God wanted him to do, David's, David's answer was yes. His answer was yes, Lord. 
Whatever you want me to do, yes, Lord, I'll do it. That was, that was the underlying, uh, really, position of David's heart. He was just willing to do whatever God led him to do. And, uh, but then you ask the question, but <laughs> when you look at what David did, how could God still use David after he committed such terrible sins? I mean, how could God use him even after he'd done these terrible things? Well, I think part of it is that even though he made mistakes, David's heart was always such that he demonstrated faith in God. Yes, we're going to see as we study through the book of Psalms, Psalm 51, Psalm 32, we see David's contrition. We see David admitting the fact that, you know, before you and you alone have I sinned. David realized the fact that he was a sinner and he didn't always do what's right, but he was a man of faith. He believed in God. He was willing to do what God called him to do. And in spite of his failures, he continued to move forward. There were times that his faith was tested on a grand scale, and he failed, just like you will do, just like I do, but he was committed to getting back up and following God. As you study through the book of Psalms, you see that David loved God's word. David loved God. David loved to read God's law. He sought to fulfill it as much as he could, but he wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect, but he, but he did as much as he could what God, he believed, called him to do. So we see here, we're going to be in Psalm 15 today. That's the psalm we're going to study. And uh, David asks a question in verse 1 and then spends the next 14 verses answering the question. He asks this question in Psalm 15, 1, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? What's, it, what's he really saying here? He's asking, Lord, Lord, what do we need to do to have fellowship with you? Uh, or Lord, how do we live a life that pleases you? How do we please you with our lives? That's kind of what David is saying here. And let's pick it up in verse two. He says, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. So in this, in this psalm, David here paints a beautiful picture of what it means to be a person of integrity. Look at verse two. Their walk is blameless. They speak the truth. They don't slander others in verse three. They treat their neighbor well in verse three. Cast no slur in others. Verse four, they despise a vile person. Honor those who fear the Lord. Keep their oaths even when it hurts. Don't change their minds. In verse five, lend to the poor without charging interest and they don't accept bribes. He said, this is kind of the heart of a person who, who desires and who has good fellowship with God. This forms a strong framework of what it means to be a man or a woman of God. A man or a woman whose heart pleases the Lord. So we see that this is really a picture of what a person of integrity would do. So now understand the fact that we're not talking about uh, uh, that, that this is what you must do in order to be saved. No, not at all. This, what this is saying, this is how you, this is how you live a godly life. Doing these things doesn't save you. It's only by faith in Jesus Christ that you're justified. Our salvation only comes through faith in Christ, not the works that we do. But as a follower of Christ, these should be the characteristics. These should be the traits of our life. These should be the behaviors that guide and direct the way that we behave and interact with other people. It's, it's, it's what it means to be a person of character, to be 
real, to be genuine, to be authentic. You know, when, when, when I hear criticism about the church in the world today, so much of the criticism comes from the fact that people perceive the fact that we're not real, that we're not authentic, that we're not genuine, that we say one thing, that we look all fancy and, and you, know, uh, you know, all godly on Sunday, then we go out the rest of the week and do whatever we want, live however we want, and act however we want. And that's what turns so many people off. And I think people find it refreshing when, when, when we are just real, when we're authentic, when we're genuine, when we say the fact, hey, I don't have it all figured out. Uh, I'm on a journey. My faith isn't perfect. I'm not living a, I'm not a perfect person. I make mistakes. You know, but I'm saved, I'm forgiven, Christ has forgiven me, and I do my best to be conformed to the image of Christ a little more each day. Because the last thing we want is to be the opposite of a person who has character, which I think the opposite of that is, is a hypocrite. You know, and Jesus talked a lot about the hypocrites in his day. Uh, you know, the hypocrite, the, the, the word literally uh, talks about being an actor, you know, in the Greek dramas. Uh, when they would, uh, you know, they would, the performers would come up, you know, they would have one performer that may, may play three or four different roles in the play. And so what they would do is they would have a, a mask on a stick. And when they were playing one character, they would put that mask. And, and, and when they were playing the other character, they would change it out. And, the, you know, it was, a, it was a hypocrite. It was somebody that just wore different masks. And unfortunately, same thing happens today in our lives, in the church, in the world. You know, sometimes it happens every morning. What mask am I gonna wear today? Are you gonna wear your happy mask even though you're miserable? Are you gonna wear your successful mask even though everything in your world's falling apart? Are you gonna wear your party mask even though on the inside you feel completely alone and disconnected? Can I just ask a question? Why can't we just be real? Why can't we just be authentic and genuine? And when we're not doing well, say, no, I'm not doing very well, or I could be doing better, or I need, you know, I need some help, I need some prayer. Uh, I think it would be good for us to be uh, more realistic and genuine in all we do. Jesus had the ability to see people and know whether they were real or fake. He, he could tell when they had their masks on, uh, and, and in Jesus' day, the biggest hypocrites were the religious crowd. Uh, Jesus often called out the Pharisees for their blatant hypocrisy. The Pharisees were a very influential religious sect within Judaism uh, around the time of Christ and in the early church. You know, they were they were known for their you know piety, and you know the word Pharisee means separated, and so they were mostly these middle class businessmen. They were leaders in the synagogues. And uh, you know they, they believed that the Jews were to, to hold all 600 plus uh, laws of the Torah, uh, including all of those laws of the uh, ceremonial purification. And Jesus would look at them and they would, they would be saying how we're supposed to keep all these laws, but he would look at them and see the fact that they weren't doing it. They would say one thing, they'd put on their mask, but the reality is in their heart they weren't doing it. And in their own behavior, they weren't doing it. And he just couldn't stand the hypocrisy and the lack of integrity that they had. They would say one thing and do another. They tried to impress people with their religiosity. And, you know, they liked to be recognized as spiritually elite people who were 
Uh, basically a cut above the rest of the crowd. But the reality is Jesus could see right through them. I, I want to read to you, you know, what Jesus said in Matthew 23, verse 23. Speaking to this crowd, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. You, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First, clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. How would you like to have been on the other side of that speech as Jesus was talking, right? It's like, whoa, he didn't mince any words there. I mean, he painted them, uh, just in case they weren't sure what he was saying, he painted them beautiful. He said, you're blind guides. You strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. You clean the outside of the cup and leave the inside dirty. You're whitewashed tombs. Look good on the outside, but the inside full of dead men's bones. Now, this description is almost opposite of what David described as a person of integrity and character in Psalm 15. See, at the end of the day, the issue is integrity. What is integrity? Integrity is when your behavior matches your beliefs. Integrity is when your behavior matches your beliefs. Sometimes I'll say this. We're educated far beyond our level of obedience, right? We know what to do. We just don't do it, right? You know, we, we just need to, we need to be people of integrity that actually allow what we believe to work out in the way that we behave. And for the Pharisees, their behavior did not match their belief. They, they tried to look religious on the outside, but they were, they were wicked on the inside. When we go back to what David's talking about here, about being a person of character, in Psalm 15, 2, it says, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart. What did he say? He says their walk is blameless. They do what's right. They speak the truth from their heart. You know, it's, it's not easy living a life of integrity when you're surrounded by people who lack integrity, that do whatever they want to do to advance and promote themselves, regardless of whether it's right or not, godly or true. The Pharisees provide an ex excellent example of what it means to be a hypocrite, to be fake. Folks, we're called to be people of character. When you look throughout the Bible, obviously Jesus is the absolute best example of integrity you're going to find in the Bible. He never did anything wrong. But the Bible is filled with other people who, though they made some mistakes, they were people of integrity. When faced with temptation, they didn't cave. You think of Joseph when, when Potiphar's wife basically came on to him and, you know, uh, he was at a place where he could have said yes, but he didn't. He chose no, and he, and he paid the, the, the consequences. There were consequences for it. They got thrown in prison. 
You think of the Egyptian midwives who refused Pharaoh's command to drown the babies and said, no, we're, not, we're just not doing it. We're not going to kill our kids. And they wouldn't do it. That was right, even though it cost them personally. You think of Joseph, Mary's husband, who technically speaking had every right to, to divorce Mary, to, you know, to you know, put her away, but he didn't do that. Job refused to curse God when everything in his life, everything that was important to him was taken away from him. And yet, you know, basically said, naked I came out of the womb and naked I go to the grave. You know, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, in spite of everything that happened to him, he was a godly example. This is the kind of heart that you and I need, the kind of heart that David has. You know, we live in a world where our flesh, the world, society, the devil, they're always trying to trip us up. They're always trying to cause us to stumble and to fail. And the simple truth is our flesh is bent towards sin, right? We have a sin nature that just loves to sin. Uh, you know, sin is fun. It says enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Sin is fun. There's pleasure in sin. And so we're drawn to it. We're bent towards it. You know, but part of, part of what we're called to do is to stand against the flesh, the devil, and the world and to do what God calls us to do and be right through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to, to live a righteous life. So we see three things here in this psalm uh, from David that I think really kind of give some insight into what it's really like to be uh, a man after my own heart, as God said, a heart that pleases God. So let me give you three things. Number one, speak the truth in love. Again, Psalm 15, three, it says, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others. <clears throat> Talking about our speech. You know, what's on the inside usually works its way on the out, you know, to the outside, right? You know, what's in the well comes up in the bucket, you know? Uh, and, you know, eventually over time, you know, who you are is gonna slip out in, in what you say, and sometimes it slips out before we have a chance to pull it back, right? And D David describes numerous scenarios here where we need to check our hearts and to do what's right. In times of crisis or in times of stress, you know, we often don't have the luxury of keeping up appearances. It's at these times when our actions reveal who we really are for better or for worse. So, you know, a person who does what they say and lives a life that can be respected, you know, that, that's what we're looking for here. That we're more than just words, that we're the real thing. We're, we're, we're people of action, that we do what is right. Our, our reputation speaks for itself. You ever wonder what your reputation is amongst other people, people in your com community, your condominium association, you know? Uh, people that are, that are on the other side of a business transaction with you, what they actually think of you. You know, your words, you know, they, they carry meaning. They can be used to build people up or to tear people down. You know, he talks about encouraging our neighbors. You know, the New Testament tells us that we're to edify others, to edify, to build up. We're to encourage, to bless, to speak well of, to think well of other people. Paul said in Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. We speak the truth in love, but we speak the truth. We're the real deal. Again, Paul 
basically reinforces in the New Testament what David said in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Psalms, that if you want to be a person with, after God's own heart, you got you got to be a person of truth that speaks the truth, that has a heart to please God. Secondly, you have to have the courage to do right, even when it costs you. You see, your character isn't what you say you are. It's who you actually are. The reality is you know who you are. You know whether you're the genuine artifact or whether you're a phony. You know whether you're real or whether you're a hypocrite. David said in verse five, who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind. I want you to focus on that little phrase, even when it hurts. You know, that's when your faith is really put to the test, isn't it? When, when to do right, it actually costs you. There's a price to be paid for doing right. You keep your word even though it hurts. Think of it this way. When, when you've made a promise or an agreement or signed a contract, but things changed in your life and now it's no longer going to benefit you to keep that promise, agreement, or contract, what do you do? You look for a loophole that benefits you or do you honor your word? Even though it's going to cost you. And maybe now it will benefit the other person more than you, but you, made, you gave your word. You signed the contract. You made the agreement. You, you made a promise. Are you going to follow through on your promise? Or are you going to look for a loophole and try and get out of it and stick it to the other person? Character means you do the right things regardless of the circumstances. Sometimes it means standing alone, acting courageously, just doing the right thing. Many times people put on the image that they're a man or woman of God, but really on the other side of it, it's just a cloud of smoke. There's no real substance. Be a person who does what they say they're going to do. Earn the respect of others. Be more than a person of words. Be a person of integrity and character. That people, they know when you say it, your, your handshake is as good as gold that you're gonna do what you said you're gonna do. Don't be one of those people that you make, oh yeah, I'll be there, or I'll come over and help, or I'll be there, you never show up because your word's no good. You end up developing a reputation of not being reliable, not sticking to what, you're, what you said you were gonna do. We need to be people of character. We speak the truth in love. We have the courage to do right, even when it costs us. And third, we need to put people ahead of profit. Now again, we're, we're answering the question that David posed in verse one, which is, Lord, basically, how do we live a life that pleases you? And in, in response, David gives a list of these things that we're to do. And we get to verse five. He says, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent, whoever does these things will never be shaken. Now, the heart behind what David is saying here, I believe, is he's addressing greed. He's saying, don't be a greedy person. 
Throughout scriptures, in so many places, there's prohibit, uh, you know, uh, prohibitions against wealthy people taking advantage of people who are needy. We see it in this world all the time. I don't think the point in this passage is, is is it right or is it wrong to charge interest? I don't think that's, I think when we get to the parable of talents and and, in Matthew, I I think we see that charging interest is okay. The issue lies in taking advantage of the poor. That's where the issue lies. Every person, regardless of their financial status, should be treated with respect and dignity. Regardless of their financial condition, their underlying circumstances, we should never look down on those who are under-resourced. I think back to my first, my first position. I was called to be a youth pastor. I, did, I, I was the youth and music person at, at the first church I was at for four years. And we literally made no money. I mean, uh, I think we got paid $400 a week. Uh, and we couldn't make ends meet. And so we were on WIC. You know, every Saturday we would get cheese and eggs and milk, cereal delivered to the house. Uh, and, you know, we had young, young boys at that time, and it was just what we had to do. It wasn't the fact that we were lazy. We were working hard. We were working 60, 70 hours a week. Uh, we worked hard. They just didn't have enough to make ends meet. And, you know, I learned right then that, listen, we should not look down on someone who's struggling to cover their expenses and just assume that they're in that condition because they're lazy or some other, some other reason. Listen, you and I have no understanding of what another person is going through or why they are in the situation that they are in. But if we have the means and the ability to help them, we should help them. I remember during that time, uh, going out to the mailbox, it was just before Christmas, and I mean, we had no money. And uh, we got a Christmas card back when people used to send Christmas cards. You got a Christmas card from a, a really a distant acquaintance, um, and it, I just thought it was going to be a normal card. I was standing at the mailbox, and as I was walking in, I opened it up, and I, as I opened it up, there was a check in there for five hundred dollars. That might as well have been a million dollars to me back then. I mean, five hundred dollars was a game changer. It was the difference between whether our family had Christmas or didn't have Christmas that year. And it was just a huge, huge thing. And um, I just haven't forgotten what that was like. And uh, that's why I'm so passionate about the Venture Cares mobile market. We're going to provide food to anyone who needs it. If they show up and ask for food, we're going to give it to them. We're not going to make them prove that they're poor. We're not going to make them feel like they're lesser people because maybe they need some help at this particular moment. We're not going to embarrass them in front of their kids. We're going to treat them like the ladies and gentlemen that they are. We're going to honor them as our guests because we are glad to see them. Uh, These are hardworking moms and dads who want to see their kids eating healthy food. And so we're going to do what we can. The, the, the Venture Cares mobile market will be a judgment-free zone. We love people, and we are here to serve them with joy and kindness. That's the kind of heart that we're going to have. And when there are people who are in need, we're going to be there, and we're going to love them the way Jesus loved them. Jesus cared deeply about the poor and the downtrodden. He demonstrated throughout his life compassion in so many different ways. He gave sight to the blind. He, he touched the leper. He healed the sick. 
He fed the poor. He also preached the good news of God's love and salvation to them. You know, when you get to the heart of what Jesus called us to do, Jesus boiled it down to two things. The great commitment and the great commandment. We're to love God and we're to love people. We're to love others as ourselves. We're to go make disciples. To love people in the name of Jesus. You get to Matthew 25 and Jesus gives really the, the, the shocking depth of his love with the human race. His identification of the least of these is so profound, talking about we're to love them, to enter their pain. I want to read you what Jesus said. Matthew 25, verse 35. Jesus said, for I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. and You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothing and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to me to visit me. Verse 40, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whoever did it for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. You want a heart that pleases God like David's? Then we need to have a heart for people. We need to have a heart for the things that Jesus had a heart for. David gave us a compelling list. Jesus gave us a compelling list. But it all starts right here with our hearts. It starts right here. It starts with us valuing the right things, the truth, as we see it throughout Scripture. Having a heart that cares for people. Not about our own futures, our own agendas, our own wealth, our own retirement and how we're going to, you know, achieve, 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 achieve. Listen, you're going to get to the end of your life. You're going to find out it's not about all you achieve. You're going to die like the next guy. The question is, what good are you going to do with the time that you have left in this world? If you give God your heart. And if you have a heart like David's, if you have a heart like Jesus, if you have a heart that says, God, I'm here to love, to serve you and people, God will use you to do incredible things. It all starts with you loving God with all your heart. And God will do for you what he did for David. It says, God loved David because he was a man after his own heart. What about you today? Where's your heart at? Do you identify more as a genuine, real deal, David kind of person? Or a hypocrite? A person who thinks they're doing right because of their religiosity? Maybe God has spoken to you today. You know, as a pastor, I, I, I can't tell you the number of times that people will walk out shake my hand and say, you know, the Lord really spoke to me when you said this, and I don't even remember saying that. And in fact, I usually know what I say, and I'm like, I didn't say that, you know? But that's what you heard, because oftentimes that's God whispering in your ear. And So I hope maybe today God has whispered in your ear, maybe tapped you on the shoulder, maybe poked a little sore spot in your heart and, and said, you could do better here. You know, maybe you need to change this, or maybe you need to follow through with that, or Maybe you need to work on this. I don't know what God said to you, but as I pray today, you pray 
And, uh, you know, you talk to God and I'll talk to God. And, uh, and, uh, and then we'll go from there. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I believe that we're all here today because we do desire to have a heart that pleases you. I believe each person here and those that have tuned in this morning are people that want to please you with their lives, that want you to, God, be happy with the way that we're living our lives and the things that we're doing. So God, I pray that you'd help us to be men and women of integrity, that we would have hearts that please you. And Father, I don't know what it is in the life of any person in this room or those who listened online today, but God, I believe that you speak to hearts. I believe that you still challenge us, that you still point things out in our lives that need to be changed. And so God, if there's any area that we need to work on, God, that you would show us and that you would help us to be men and women of integrity, men and women of character. That God, that we would just be the real deal, that we wouldn't put on a show, that God, we wouldn't be phonies and fakes, but that we'd be men and women on a journey who sometimes do right and sometimes do wrong, but at all times, God, know that you love us and you care for us uh, and that you walk with us. So Lord, we love you this morning. We praise you. Help us to be the kind of people, God, that uh, just do great things in your kingdom until you return. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's all stand as we sing our final worship song this morning.